was familiar from being in the Air Force with the concept of UFOs and um, the fact that many pilots had seen these kinds of things, so it wasn't something that I thought was uh, non-existent, but I never personally had any experience with anything like that, and uh, certainly was the kind of person that didn't jump to conclusions about anything without going through the scientific process and uh, having, you know, good evidence. So uh, we, were, we were in among a, quite a few tall trees and we walked the, the path where the sky behind some trees was exposed and sitting right there, just motionless, was a bright round object. It just blew my mind. And that is a foretaste of this episode of the Planetary Makeover Show. In response to the heartfelt voices of an awakening humanity, we have evidence that divine help is at hand to work with us to create a hopeful future. Welcome. Have you seen this star-like object that people are calling the new star of Bethlehem? Hello, I'm David Minot, your host, and I'm about to show you documentary information that claims that this new star-like luminary that's all over YouTube and the web is actually the herald of a new appearance to the modern world of a great divine being. A repeat on an even larger scale of the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Now, a growing number of people are calling this the greatest event in human history. And I think at this time, we could use some wise guidance to help steer us through the choppy waters, to mix my metaphors, of all these great upheavals occurring today, whether they be economic, political, religious, or, on a more positive note, the people finding their voice and throughout the world, crying out for, and in some cases dying, to make a stand for peace, justice, and freedom. This show has always maintained that that divine assistance is already here and about to be revealed to the entire world. Now, in fairness, we know that the return of a great divine teacher and guide has been predicted by all the world's great religions for thousands of years. For example, of course, the Christians expect the Christ, the Jews are looking for the Messiah, the Muslims are looking for the Messiah as well, or the Imam Mahdi, depending on their sect. The Hindus are looking for the Kalki Avatar, or Krishna, and while the Buddhists are awaiting Maitreya. I want to show you some footage from the documentary producer Frances Omen from her new project called Countdown to Now, a quantum leap for planet Earth that delves into these facts that we've been talking about that point to a great paradigm shift of human consciousness which is happening simultaneously with the appearance of UFOs, crop circles, and all these upheavals, both large and small, 
great and problematic around the world. Francis, in this documentary and project, set out to find out if the assertions made by author, artist, and esotericist Benjamin Krim were true. And he's been telling this story, or had been telling this story, for nearly half a century. But now, here, you can hear from Francis and Benjamin Krem and others who've been talking about this phenomena for decades. Remember, too, we at Planetary Maker, uh, Makeover are only here to present this information for your consideration. We're not here to attempt to convince you of anything. If, however, this information has the ring of truth, feel free to delve into it further. So fasten your seatbelts. Here we go. I came back from a trip with my family one day. At midnight, we pulled into our street and parked our car. And as I got out of the car, I realized there was this unbelievably bright object hovering, it seemed, above my street. It didn't really look like a star because it felt like it was too close. It felt like it was just, you could just reach up and just touch it. It was so close. And I didn't realize until the next night that I was looking at the star. It came back. And it didn't move. All the other objects in the sky were making their path across the sky, but it stayed stationary. It just looked like it was hovering, literally st perfectly stationary above my street. And um, I took film of it. I actually pulled in with my zoom, and you could see that there was a color around the outside of it. And it was so clear to me that it was not a normal star. And it really felt to me as though um, it had responded to me and that it was a sign of hope for all of us. And I, I kept thinking, I wonder who else could see this? And who else is watching this? Are people recognizing what's happening on our planet and that we have help? We have help from within and on our planet and from these visitors that are coming to help us. And uh, I think it portends great, great change in such a positive way for this planet. Just before Christmas on December 12, 2008, the media of the world received a press release sent from Benjamin Krem, the editor of Share International Magazine. It said that in the very near future, people could witness, day or night, a large star-like luminary, which doesn't stay put. Krem asserts that it has been manifested in a similar way only once before, at the birth of Jesus. Could humanity's great crises have brought forth spiritual help as it did in Bethlehem? Thousands of YouTube videos of this new, inexplicable star started to show up on YouTube shortly after the Share International press release. And they keep showing up in the sky and online. It appears inside of Earth's atmosphere. It can move, spin, pulsate, and blink. It can change size and shape. It can be round, diamond, or hexagonal. It can change its position in the sky. It can get closer, and it can recede at speed. It is very bright, and sometimes the only star visible. 
It can radiate bright colors, often in quick succession. Mr. Krem writes that enlightened beings on other planets are very worried about our planet and that with their superior love and technology, as they did before in Bethlehem, they are now doing it again. This time there are four of them placed around the planet so every eye can see them. So going back to UFOs, and this will start tying in Benjamin, Krem, and Sharon International. For the last couple of years, there have been thousands of sightings, so we're kind of getting back to the UFOs. Yes. And, and more current, there's been thousands of sightings of a star-like luminary which moves and shapes color. What, can you tell us about this phenomenon? I know it's, it's, it, there's plenty of pictures in your documentary. So um, when this announcement was made, as soon as that happened, the, this phenomenon began occurring. And it's wonderful that we have YouTube now because every time someone saw something, people who had never heard of Benjamin Crown or Share International or um, any this star-like luminary, people were photographing and saying, what is this? And things all over the world, some of the most recent being um, these beautiful spirals. The first spiral one, um, or it was seen over Norway, and immediately the government came in. First of all, they asked the Russian, it was the Russian military, did you have a misfired rocket? Because sometimes a misfire rocket spirals down. And they said, no, no, we didn't shoot any rockets. And um, within hours, CNN and Fox were saying, no, it wasn't, it was a misfired rocket. And they had stock footage from the government of what a misfired rocket looks like, which, first of all, is quite different. Uh, Open Minds magazine has a beautiful spread on that, showing the difference between a, a failed rocket that spirals out of control and one of these spirals. But Benjamin Cram, when asked, um, well, was this one of the stars? He said, yes, it was, and there'll be more. And indeed, there was another one identical to that over um, Australia, and another one over Canada, I believe. Um, and then the most recent amazing one, um, with all of the activity that's happening in the Mideast, was in the old city of Jerusalem, over the Dome of the Rock on Temple Mount, which is a holy site, a huge UFO was over, right over it. Now, there's a understanding of it from airplanes and satellites and everything that nothing can go over it. It just could never happen. And so um, here was this beautiful UFO. And people photographed it with their cell phones. This is the cool thing. It's like, we can't really hide these things anymore. So everybody shot it and at a certain point, this, whatever it was, shot up into the sky, all the way up and disappeared. And it was all over YouTube and all over the news. So the media is having to cover it, but it is interesting to see. Now, I haven't seen a, a disclaimer from the government coming in on that one yet, but usually they're there very quickly. The beings coming in the so-called flying saucers, the UFOs, are 100% friendly, 100% on a powerful, deep, 
spiritual mission to help humanity A, to avoid self-destruction through nuclear war, and B, to aid and guide in every way possible those who can respond to them and who are not afraid of them, who are friends, who are aware that they are friendly, have never harmed a soul on planet Earth, and yet have constructed against them, mainly, I have to say, by the American government and its agencies. Not necessarily by the American government, but by the agencies of the American administration. A series of lies, of innuendos, of blinds, which have made even the strongest awareness of and contact with UFOs, such a nonsense to the majority that most people who have any kind of experience with the Space Brothers are too afraid or too embarrassed, too shy, to do anything about it. And yet it is one of the great happenings in our life today that we are being helped in a great spiritual mission. About the star and then what happened? I heard about the star and then a couple of weeks later I just happened to be talking to a friend about another subject. We were just visiting and she said, oh, you know, I happened to, I was looking out the window one night and I saw this beautiful star. And I kept wondering, well, it's not a planet, it's not a star, it's too close. It's not a satellite because they, they don't give out light, they would reflect it, but I don't know. So then I said, all of a sudden it sounded familiar, I'm like, hmm, star, hmm, that sounds... So then on my way home that night, we were driving down the highway, and I looked out the window, and I saw this beautiful star. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I told my husband, look at that, that's the star. And so when I got home later, almost every night I'd look out, and I'd look up, and I'd see it, oh, thank goodness. So I was talking to another friend on the phone one evening, and I told her about the star. So while we were talking, she goes outside, she says, I see it. Oh my goodness. She's, it's got those beautiful rays shooting out from it. And I thought, hmm, it's not my glasses <laughs> or the mirror, the window. It's really there. I said, yes. Yeah. She said, I haven't seen anything like that since Jesus. And I'm like, okay, that's beautiful. That's the star. So, but one day, I, one evening, I drove home and I got out of my car and I'm, I was looking for the star just for some consolation and I didn't see it. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I walked to the door and I looked up and there it was. So, made me feel better. What did it look like? Well, it's just so bright and beautiful, and it, it, there's like rays shooting out from the points. There seems like there's about seven or eight points on it, and there's light, rays of light that shoot out from them. So that's been my experience with the star, and I talk to it sometimes. So thank you. I'm a person who's spent his life working uh, with science and technology, uh, got um, degrees in science from Berkeley and uh, systems analysis degree from the universe from uh, the Air Force Institute of Technology I spent some time in the Air Force so I was familiar from being in the Air Force with the concept of UFOs and um, 
the fact that many pilots had seen these kinds of things, so it wasn't something that I thought was uh, non-existent, but I never personally had any experience with anything like that, and uh, certainly was the kind of person that didn't jump to conclusions about anything without going through the scientific process and uh, having, you know, good evidence. So uh, we, were, we were in among a, quite a few tall trees, and we walked a path where the sky behind some trees was exposed, and sitting right there, just motionless, was a bright, round object. It just blew my mind. You know, I, I would say it looked, you know, like maybe at the end of my hand, that big. And uh, I remember thinking at the time, wow, this is really great. Uh, I've never seen anything like this in my life. My wife thought it to me, and we were talking about it a little bit. And... Uh, the, uh, and then I remember thinking, my goodness sakes, what a, what a bright moonlight night it is. And then I realized later, we weren't even there on moonlight nights because it interferes with the sightings. The light that was making shadows cast from the trees everywhere and, and lit up the whole area was coming from this single bright object that was in the sky. So uh, after that happened, uh, we went home the next few days and I just... You know, told people about it. I thought it was pretty interesting, and then I just really kind of forgot about it for a while. And then around December, um, I'm with a group of people that uh, sort of have a, an internet connection where they put out information that they're interested in that's in common. And something that came up there was um, a news release um, by a man who was named uh, Benjamin Krem, and it said that. Uh, there would be a star that would appear in the sky that could be seen both day and night. And, and then shortly after that, uh, people started reporting that they were seeing something like that and um, something that was bright and unusual. And uh, I, I immediately thought back about that object that I saw before this, before this news release even came out. And it fit exactly the, the, the description and also matched some of the pictures that ended up showing up on some websites and on YouTube and so on that people were getting in the few months after that news release came out. When I first saw this uh, uh, news release uh, from the, the man Benjamin Krem pertaining to a, 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 an illuminated object, a star, so to speak, um, it also talked about the symbology of this, which meant, which, which they had said that this was a herald, that there was a herald of the return of the Christ. It was related to that event. And, I don't know, for some reason, I instantly connected that with the Star of Bethlehem. And, um, which we all know is, is a story about a star-like object that the wise men saw and actually followed. So it probably moved around a bit before it arrived at Bethlehem. So I, you know, I think that it caused my, um, it's caused me to hold that impossibility rather than to just immediately go uh, darkly skeptical about it. And, and the fact that I saw such an object uh, reinforced in my mind uh, the possibility that this was uh, worth holding in possibility and, and respecting it and uh, deserve some further uh, investigation before trying anything new.
Well, now that you've seen some more information about this stunning and fascinating phenomena, I'd like to share some experiences that individuals have had. I'm going to start with myself, since I've been tracking this phenomena, the Herald of Maitreya, since it first appeared. Now, I saw and read the same press release that you just saw back in December of 2008. And I was eagerly awaiting the appearance of these craft after that and was kind of impatient and disappointed right up until Christmas night where I thought I saw it, but my brother-in-law was telling me it was Venus. So once again, hopes were dashed, but I knew it was coming. So during the next week, I looked every night and eventually there it was. And if you today haven't seen it yet and want to do likewise, all you need is a camera with a good, strong zoom lens and a tripod. Head outside and start scanning the skies. It's easy to pick out, believe it or not, because it's usually the brightest object in the sky. The moon sometimes isn't as bright but usually it's brighter. And then there are the other stars and planets, which usually are pretty consistently not as bright as the star, which has sort of a mechanical blink to it. Another dead giveaway. So go ahead and check out all the luminaries in the sky, and soon you'll be able to discern which one is Maitreya's star. Now, we know, as has been, you saw mentioned, there are four of them, the four corners of the earth, so that everyone can see them. But I hear complaints from some people who I've told about it and want to see it themselves, that they can't find it. I think this is often a case of getting them confused with the other planets, stars, or even the moon, and not knowing where to look. It takes a little patience sometimes, and a cloudless night. But if you keep looking... Trust me, you'll find it. Now we know that stars and planets have a fixed path that they cannot deviate from. They are, in the case of planets, millions of miles away. In the case of stars, billions of miles away. It's easy, in one sense, to discern this herald of Maitreya because it's so much closer. It's in our atmosphere. I don't know the altitude, but it's brighter than the background objects being the planets and stars. And it's following its own path. And anyone that's seen that can tell you quickly, slowly, in a erratic fashion, it's moving across the sky. Here in Boston, Massachusetts, I haven't seen it jump around too much until I zoom in. If you're looking at it from a distance, it's hard to see that it's jiggling, but you can see it blinking often. And it makes its way across the sky slowly and disappears below the horizon. So if you see it, catch it as soon as you can, because as it moves towards the horizon line, it's moving away from you and getting smaller. And this, of course, 
as we alluded to earlier, is not unlike the Star of Bethlehem, which we also contend was a spacecraft and will be proven so in the near future. That was followed by the three wise men and it brought them to the manger where the baby Jesus had just been born, which they knew was coming and wanted to be there to pay their respects. Now, one of the things I didn't say in my intro is that the Space Brothers have been visiting the Earth since time immemorial, and particularly in the last, say, 300,000 years, but we don't have any recordings from that time. So I, d I thought that we would start with a copy of a fresco from the 15th century, which is John the Apostle John, and a young student. And there seems to be a glowing object beaming a light from the upper left-hand corner at John's head. And conversely, on the other side, you see another disc-like object, which is shooting a beam off to the side of the image. There are many pictures like this throughout history. And this is one that I took a short while ago. And this is a still, obviously. And it does change shape and size while I'm taking the picture, which sometimes can be a little maddening because it will fade in and then fade out. And if I don't catch it at just the right moment, then all you see is a blur. Or you see a gray object on a black background. And this is something that we see on a nightly basis practically over Boston, but not right now because it's pretty cloudy out there. So I won't be seeing them tonight. And it does change color. It does get larger and smaller. It changes shape. As I said, sometimes while you're taking the picture, which can be pretty humorous. And they also say that the occupants are telepathic. And so if you ask them to make an appearance, who knows, maybe they'll show up. They're not at our beck and call, but it doesn't hurt to ask. And when you do see them, to ask them, could they possibly sit still for a moment? Because I have a heck of a time capturing these images, and this is only one of several, and, but the others weren't quite up to snuff. So we just have to um, you know, catch that tiger by a tail and just hang on for dear life when we're taking these pictures. And this, uh, the audience might want to bear in mind, is the underside of a huge craft that we're seeing. And if you're wondering why it's not perfectly clear, remember, these craft are composed of etheric matter. And even what you're seeing here is not really their quote-unquote natural state. They have to work just to show us this much. And so that's why they seem a bit fuzzy, because they're sort of in the world, but not of it. And this is one that I see over Boston too. And that shape you saw before over Boston, sometimes it'll change into that. And then other times it will change into a circular light that has like a, um, a point of light jutting out on all four corners. And I think you may see one of those later on in, in a collage. Oh, yep. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, here it is. Though I wasn't quite able to capture it 
in this, in this uh, image. Um, one of the ones closest to that would be at the bottom in the center. That mm-hmm. bottom center one was the fir- one of the first pictures I ever took in January of 2009. All the rest came much later. And all these different shapes are what we've seen over Boston. And the pentagon shape, I've seen it go from that to the round shape you see beside it during the same photo session, just seconds apart. And once again, you have to be patient. Maybe uh, with the telepathy, they, they know that I love science fiction and associated with space. From the time I was little, I went nuts over Star Trek and Lost in Space and all the rest of them. And maybe that's why I was given such opportunities to see the star over Boston again and again. Because we have friends who also have studied this material who would like to see it, but don't see it quite as often. Of course, part of the problem, as I've stated, is that it can show up on the western, northwestern, eastern, southern sky just before nightfall. And if you don't catch it within that hour or two, you can't see it. Before then, the sun is too bright. And after that, it's gone below the horizon line. Though there is one, though it's not in this collage, that I took probably around 530. And you can see the sky is still blue behind it. Now, the other night, I wanted to take some pictures for this show. I already knew where to find the star, and I went to zoom in on it. But, and you may have this problem sometimes too, it was blinking on and off, disappearing, reappearing, where if you're trying to photograph a celestial object at night, makes it much more difficult. So I asked quietly if they'd stop the blinking so I could zoom in more easily. And within a minute, they did. People have discovered this all over the planet, that these craft are responsive to thought. We don't have them at the end of a string. We can't make them show up or disappear upon command. You take your chances that way. But you can always try. If you haven't seen it, ask for it to appear so you can take pictures of it. So, bearing that in mind, let's go on to somebody else's experience. And for that, I want to return to our producer, Francis Oman, who I convinced to be on the show, finally. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about document documentary she's working on and her own experiences and with others concerning the craft. Thank you, David. Thanks for inviting me. I don't often get a chance to tell some of my very personal experiences about things that I do documentaries about. So this is kind of off the record and out of school. Um, As a documentary producer, I've written many, many articles and um, produced various documentaries. And in the process, I'm a rigorous fact checker and there's a lot of things that I shot and made notes about that never made it into a documentary because you really need a burden of proof. You know, at least two sources who say we were both somewhere and we saw this happen. Then you start getting a weigh in on things. But some of the experiences that I've had 
there wasn't that. That was just kind of me and the person um, having, having this happen. So um, the first story I want to tell is I was lucky enough to be at a meditation conference for three days with Benjamin Krem and a lot of people who love meditating. And so we had an opportunity with him at one point to ask him questions. Well, this was after the press release had come out and most of the people at the conference had been looking at the sky. Many people had been seeing um, what seemed, given what was explained about these UFO stars, seeing them and taking pictures of them. But, you know, there's always doubt and, uh, and for me too. So um, one of the people asked Mr. Cram, do you think you could ask the space brothers and sisters to guide one of those four UFOs over our head? You know, because as Benjamin Cram explained, there's four UFOs and they are in each hemisphere so that people, wherever they are in the world, anybody can see them. Um, so would they be so kind as to give us a flyby? And um, he said, uh, I think not, but I'll try. So when the meditation was over that night, it was about midnight, and we poured out into the beautiful Marin County Hills with all the wonderful fresh smells of the grasses and trees. and But we were looking up and everybody was watching the sky. Each part of the sky was sort of like, wasn't purposeful that we were checking every part of the sky. But someone said, there it is. And so everybody looked and suddenly there was something that blinked on quite strongly. And it was a lot bigger than any of the other stars. And it, the, when I, and I was there and I looked and it seemed to pulse a little bit, but mostly it was just solid and it moved slowly across the sky in the opposite direction to the one that the stars take, which we think the stars are traversing the sky in their own orbits. So we watched it for, I don't remember really, a minute or two. And suddenly it just blinked out and it wasn't there anymore. So the next day when we reconvened, of course, everybody couldn't wait to ask Mr. Krim, was, was that it or were we seeing things? And he said, well, actually, I asked my Treya if he could ask the Space Brothers since you know, they had created these spacecrafts in cooperation with Maitreya to assist in creating interest in something that would herald his emergence as the world teacher. And um, he said, that's exactly what you saw. So I do have another experience too. In the video that you saw earlier, the very first shot of Elisa Graf, the uh, lovely woman who talked about coming home from a camping trip and seeing 
this brilliant star up there. Um, when I was interviewing her about that, there is something that I did not include in my documentary. I mean, I'm still working on the documentary and I have plenty more to go with all of the events that are happening in the world that were foretold by Maitreya to happen uh, as an awakening and light shining on the problems of humanity and people in the streets demonstrating in every domain because they, why would people demonstrate if they didn't think it was even possible that a, ma a ma massive changes could happen? And so um, I went, I took uh, Lisa out behind her house and I said, listen, I know you've told me privately that you've been asking the Space Brothers to do things, to move spacecraft around and that you feel like you're actually communicating with them. And I, it's nothing I could document, I don't think, but if I set my camera up right here um, on my tripod facing right at that pine tree over there, can you ask one of them to guide their spacecraft behind the pine tree so that it's in, in the picture on my video. Because obviously if it just appeared somewhere, I mean, there's no way I could, I can't tell you how many great shots I've gotten in my life of me quickly trying to find something by moving towards it. So anyway, I was very stationary. So she meditated kind of, and then I was rolling tape and all of a sudden this beautiful pink craft of some kind went right behind the tree. And when I got back into the studio and looked at it, it was going faster than I thought. It seemed slower when I took the picture, but went pretty fast. And it was just this pink streak, um, streak and it, it didn't really prove anything, except that to me, it proved once again that whatever's going on, there's seems to be responsiveness. So I always suggest, uh, so does David, other people, for people to get out there and see if you can find it or see if you can ask for it to appear and see what happens. There's millions of these photos all over the internet. We're actually privileged to have another interview on the show. It's gonna be by phone. There's another journalist, William Allen, who's really kept up with how the U.S. government has been suppressing all of the documentation about UFOs and conversations with people from other planets. Well, yes, this whole thing is pretty controversial, but they're really ignoring it. And there's a whole lot of facts out there. And I wonder who's suggesting they keep quiet about it. It's not for me to say. Looks like we have William Allen on the phone with us, and he is a journalist in Northern California who has been following this story about UFOs for how long, William? Hello, nice to be with you. Oh, for more than 10 years. So um, I'm interested in all of these cover-ups, and I could think of reasons why the government might not 
want their voluminous records of sightings that I've heard they have, why they might not want them public. Um, what's your take on this? What have you been hearing? Well, um, there are a number of reasons. Uh, if you were to talk to probably somebody from an official down, they would indicate that they have to keep these things classified because they don't want our adversaries learning uh, about the sensory equipment that we have and what can be picked up. Uh, so it's sort of a Cold War paranoia um, that is left over from the 50s and 60s. And that has been a predominant um, motif for secrecy. Uh, but I really personally think there's a much deeper reason for that, and that is that um, we do have visitors here from other planets, and the reason it's so hush-hush is because at the very highest levels, officials are worried that the revelation of this could lead to uh, chaos in disruption in various major political, economic, social um, institutions, uh, even religious. And so they're keeping a lid on it precisely because they want to control the narrative of what it is that's going on. So we get these little drip drabs of information, the latest being the UAP task force, which was a big step forward. Um, but ultimately, they're probably working to keep a lid on the whole thing. So UAP, um, what is UAP? The, uh, UAP is the term that the government has adopted, uh, unidentified aerial phenomena. And it's the term that the government has adopted to replace UFOs, which has so much baggage and stigma attached to it. Uh, wow. So... They have, I have seen, it seems like I've seen some government reports about UFOs over military establishments. Is the government, they seem to be admitting that they've seen something over military establishments. Of course, I mean, in my documentary, I've interviewed people from various different um, Air Force and other military people who have seen them and have, have communicated with people there. And... Um, they're retired now, so they can speak about these things. But why is the government only looking at the things around military sites? And what have you heard about that? Well, um, to correct you just a little bit, the government has not officially acknowledged that UFOs have appeared over sensitive nuclear weapon sites. That is, as you say, former um, Air Force officers. As a matter of fact, there was just a press conference in Washington um, just a couple of months ago that was organized by a uh, former um, ICBM targeting officer by the name of Robert Salas. And he brought together uh, three other former Air Force officers and they testified about um, the experiences that they all had in the 60s and 70s when they were um, missileers and how UFOs would show up over their missile bases and disable groups of missiles at a time. 
but in terms of the government acknowledging those particular incidents, they have not. And that was one of the reasons Solis held that press conference, because last June, um, um, a special task force that was set up called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force released what was called its preliminary assessment. Uh, there was an unclassified version. It was about four pages long, and it basically raised more questions than it answered. But there was no mention in it of incursions over nuclear weapon sites. Um, however, uh, that was the declassified version. The Congress, certain members of, uh, like the Intelligence Committee, the Armed Services Committee, Homeland Security Committees, things like that, they were given a classified briefing, uh, and uh, depending on who you read, uh, it was either 17 or 70 pages long. Plus, they got to see videos of UFOs that had still not been declassified and um, released for public viewing. So there's a lot of very, very... Um, high-powered sort of turf wars going on right now within the military intelligence complex and the Congress over just how much information um, can be released. So it's interesting to see how all this is going to play out. In fact, if I may point out, just yesterday, the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, the military funding bill, was passed. Um, a bipartisan provision in it to establish a completely no UFO research agency um, that will report to Congress every six months and also have public reports. Wow. Uh, and that's a big step forward. Yeah. However, it was a watered-down version of one that um, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand sponsored, um, which called for bringing in outside scientists and academics and other um, scientific organizations that study UFOs and make them part of the team. But that didn't make it into the bill. So for the time being, the whole thing is still uh, under the purview of the military intelligence bureaucracy, which mm. a lot of people are not happy about. Yeah. However, now that the Congress, certain members of Congress, are dialed in to what's really happening in terms of what is being seen out there um, by at least by military personnel, um, they're probably going to be keeping a close eye and demanding transparency. So we'll just have to see yeah. how it works out. Well, thank you so much, William. Um, most people haven't heard what it is that you're talking about, and uh, it's important for people to know this. I mean, it's one of the greatest stories of all time. And the fact that for 70 or 80 years, this has been kept uh, quiet, kept and kept hidden from the public, uh, it's just outrageous. You know, it's, it has to do with the nature of our solar system and the nature of our universe and life in the universe <laughs> and, um, you know, going beyond colloquialisms and recognizing that we are not alone. Um, there's just a lot of power plays and a lot of people involved who think that the revelations of the truth could cause them to lose power and control <laughs> over the populations. 
Yeah, I mean, and, if these people, very, yeah. yeah, I mean, if these people, what's so funny is that if the government's worried that people are going to be scared, I mean, if if we are having visitations from other planets, if it was something to be afraid of, they surely would have done something scary. The only thing I've heard about is that they've disabled some nuclear missiles um, and um People who, well, we, there's so much more we could go into. There's not time right now to go into all of it. But um, aren't there other countries, though, who have been much more forthcoming about acknowledging this and even giving at least limited uh, documents that they're putting out to the public? Um, there are a few. Um, Peru comes to mind. Um, the Peruvian Air Force um, released what documentation they have on the Air Force's encounters, and I believe um, they set up a special agency, um, which is a sort of partnership between civilians and the military. And um, so the military is openly taking sightings reports from the civilian sector. And I don't know what the government is doing with them, but they are a lot more transparent. Yeah. And several years ago, the French government um, commissioned a special report where uh, former Air Force generals and some scientists got together and um, looked over the data, and they released what was called the Comita Report, in which they said that the phenomenon is definitely real and has no explanations, and we need further study of it. Yeah. And then the British Ministry of Defense uh, claimed that they have released all of their UFO files to the National Archives. However, uh, there are some uh, very significant incidents whose files were conspicuously absent from that tranche. Um, in particular, the famous Rindlesham incident of December 1980, where some UFOs were buzzing around um, an Air Force base uh, in England, a U.S. Air Force base that had nuclear weapons added. And those files didn't make it for some particular reason. <laughs> in my documentary, I do report on a nearby military establishment that told the local newspaper not to publish the reporter's UFO sighting. Investigating a lot of incidents and in reading a lot of journals and keeping up with any news that comes out about UFOs. The government has said some pretty funny things about it. I know that when Carter came to office and later when um, Clinton came to office, they both asked to see the records. This is documented fact. It is in my documentary. Um, They both asked to see the records about uh, UFOs and if there were any space visitors or anything. And they were told by the CIA, which at the time George Bush was the head of, (laughs) that um, he was not, neither of those presidents were allowed to see it. So that's pretty startling. For somebody to just step forward and reveal, you know, the historical truth and evidence. Uh, But that is so far not happening. This is fascinating. We could go on and on, and maybe we can do some more work together about this. But thank you very much for your time. And um, 
we hope to uh, keep connected as I dig into continuing on Countdown to Now, Quantum Leap for Planet Earth, which is really linking all of these stories um, together as could it be? Is it possible? And probably the very best book on all of this is Benjamin Krim's The Gathering of the Forces of Light, which I wanted to suggest to our viewers. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. And if I may make one suggestion to your listening audience, and that is Watch the Skies. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, William. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's all we have for tonight, for today, for this morning, depending on when you're watching this. And we hope to see you in the next episode. And in the future, we'll be exploring this topic again. There's much more to cover. So stay tuned and share it with your friends. Thank you. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of Planetary Makeover. .org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays, Western Time, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternational-west.org. That's Share International dash west.org for related books and dvds and cds by benjamin krem on the emergence of maitreya the world teacher please go to share-ecart.com